Welcome back to the Don't Split Up Horror Podcast. This is episode number 24, and today we're talking about the soon-to-be-released, sure-to-be-horror sensation, Clown. I am J.R. Foresteros. I'm Amanda Foresteros. I'm Moza Haiti. And I'm Stacy Silveri. Uh, so we need to explain what we're doing today. Originally, our plan was to review this film alongside Killer Clowns from Outer Space because we're in our spring of aliens. But we reached out to a couple of the stars of this film, and they agreed to be interviewed today. So we are de- now dedicating the entire episode to the film Clown, which is going to be on video on demand and in limited release on June 17th. So I got to start by asking who on this podcast is afraid of clowns? I. I. <laughs> Wait, let me let me back up. Who on this podcast is afraid of everything? Mo, go ahead. I. <laughs> so, Mo, you're afraid of clowns. Stacy, you're afraid of clowns. Amanda. Oh yeah, they're super creepy. I am not particularly bothered by clowns. What is wrong with you? I don't know. How like, are you not scared of them? I just am not. I'm not skeezed out by them. So I don't. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I. I'm not scared of clowns, so... It's like dolls, you know, like... I find dolls way creepier than clowns. I mean... Dolls are creepy. What? They're a different type of creepy, that's for sure. Are they a different type of creepy, Mo? Yeah, because there's no life in them at all. I don't know which one's worse. Now that I'm thinking about it, this is a rabbit hole I don't want to go down. (laughs) You guys... don't think about either of them. During my childhood, this may show how demented I am, but I had both porcelain dolls in my bedroom on display, and I had a picture of a clown that was autographed, and he was my old buddy, old pal, <laughs> and he was framed and autographed hanging on why? my wall. I don't I know. Why is I don't ch- know. Why as a child would you want that in your room? I don't know, but it didn't give me nightmares then. Now, it definitely would, but then, not so much. Let's say in a far distant future, I'm a parent, and even if my child likes both clowns and dolls, he or she will not be allowed to have either. <laughs> I will say that I think that porcelain dolls that are dressed as clowns are the scariest thing. Like in Poltergeist? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Nice callback to the first episode. Mm-hmm. Good work. And that was creepy. Thanks for reminding me of that. No doubt. So why are clowns scary, though? I mean, to you guys, what what is it about them? They're creepy. I don't know. <laughs> All I got is they're creepy. I think general that will, sense of creepiness. I think yeah, will, they make you feel uncomfortable. Well, and I think that we'll probably get to this uh, further in the episode, but I, I think that's what was so eerie about this movie is that, like, the makeup, it changes you into a different person. Like, when you see a person that has this really intense makeup, uh, it's they're they're this like entity it's not they're not even really human i don't know it's um they have that weird creepy voice that sounds like they've sucked on too many helium balloons i don't know <laughs> yeah. hi kids yeah super <laughs> you do that too well jr i don't like it would you like a balloon animal <laughs> oh my god you're creeping me out <laughs> creeping me out <sighs> No, I agree with you, man. I think it's it's the I mean, they're mostly human, right? At least you want to tell yourself that there's probably a human behind that makeup. But they look and uh, they don't really act like us, but they have a very human look to them. But 
then they got that freakish permanent smile. They're always happy. Like there's been movies before where like the clown is crying and is in like pain, but they still have this painted on smile on their face, which is very inhuman. It's just it's oddly uh disturbing well, so the 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 happy and the sad clown goes all the way back to greek theater uh because in greek theater obviously they didn't have any kind of image magnification and so they would use masks with uh exaggerated features so that people who were sitting far away could see what the actors were supposed to be feeling on their faces and then those became the classic theater masks where there's the the happy and the sad to represent comedy and tragedy and then as you know clowns kind of historically originated from jesters in the courts and and again it was the same idea that clowns the jester was the one who told the truth right the one who poked holes in all of the uh king's aspirations and reminded the king you know at the end of the day he's still just a human so there's that idea that i don't know it's kind of the inversion of the clown mask right that that the the jet like like the joker probably my favorite clown of all time that's the whole point of that character is he's trying to give uh, truth to the lie of civilization, to the lie, especially in the Dark Knight, they do this so well, right? The lie that humans are good, that humans want to work together, uh, that we're any different than animals. That in, in the Joker's mind, that's all false, and he's trying to expose that. Um, but I don't know, did you guys find the Joker scary? Uh, no. Jack Nicholson Joker or Heath Ledger Joker? Either one. Jack Nicholson is always scary, um, even in comedies. So. <laughs> I didn't find the Joker. Heath Ledger wasn't scary to me, not on like a horror level, more just like his inability to care. It was a different type of thing. Hmm. Uh, but no, I didn't find him scary. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to have nightmares about the Joker necessarily, but um, but definitely like a in a I don't know maybe maybe for some reason superhero movies are set apart for some reason as far as like not not being able to classify them as much as scary Plus, or horrifying or anything like that as a villain so you're already like starting out not liking him um yeah i don't know i don't i wouldn't really compare him even though he is kind of a clown he is uh, the clown prince of crime <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and on that note moving on um no, but I think uh, kind of what I was mentioning before, it goes back to Freud uh, and the uncanny, the fact that clowns, dolls, they have all these human characteristics, these human attributes, um, but there's just something that's slightly off about them. They're not fully human. Uh, the fact that, you know, they do have this permanent smile or they don't show any emotion uh, besides happiness. And that's that's we can relate to them in almost every way, uh, except that one thing is just kind of off. And so we find it disturbing. Uh, because they're not exactly like us. Um, and they've actually gone, we've read a few articles here, and they've gone so far as like hospitals have put out focus groups to, you know, kind of reevaluate whether or not people like clowns. And the feedback that comes back is most children don't like clowns. Like they find them scary, even at an early age. It's just, um, and they don't, there's not really like a gut reason as to why it goes back to this, you know, they can't finger point it, but it goes back to Freud and the uncanny. Yeah, it's so interesting to me that there are, like, these two poles of horror. There's the horror of, like, Deep Space and Alien, which is they're so different that it's horrifying how alien they are. And then there's the horror of the uncanny, which is it's almost right, and it's the 
minute differences that terrify mm. us, right? And it seems like we find both of those things horrifying. We find both, and I, I, I even look at that in like religion, for instance, right? Um, Christians tend to fight much more with Muslims than they do with Hindus. Uh, and, and I think it's interesting because Islam and Christianity are very, very similar faiths. They both believe in Jesus. They're both monotheistic. They have very similar practices like prayer and fasting and things like that. Um, Hinduism and Christianity are much, much more different. And I wonder if part of the reason that Christians and Muslims fight so much is because of that kind of uncanny, like each religion views the other in that uncanny valley, you know, that they're, that they're, they're Mm -hmm. just similar enough that the differences matter a lot. Uh, That's a great Anyway, so so let's get into the film Clown. Uh, this film has a fascinating history. It's an independent movie. Uh, it, it has Eli Roth backing it, but it was originally produced by John Watts, who directed it, and Christopher D. Ford, who, who wrote it. They created a trailer for this movie before it was made. They put it on YouTube, and they announced on the trailer that Eli Roth would be producing it, uh, which he was not. Uh, and so apparently Roth uh, got a hold of the trailer and loved that they had the the gumption to attach his name to it. So he produced it. He got it made. And uh, now it's been in development and, and it's actually had a, pro- or a, a distribution deal. But it has not been making it to the United States. And actually, some of the the cast and crew were afraid it was never going to make it into the United States. But finally, again, like we said earlier, June 17th, it's a video on demand, has a limited theatrical release. And hopefully, if it gets some traction, uh, it'll it'll pick up some steam. So I got to ask overall now, we all saw the trailer a I'm year ago. I got to pause you right there, JR. To our listeners, if you have not seen the trailer, and even if you're planning to watch the movie regardless, you have to see this trailer because <laughs> it is horrifying. I can't say that enough. I, I really did not want to watch this film after watching the trailer. We, we had the, the benefit of watching you guys watch the trailer, <laughs> if you recall. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing as Mo. Like, the trailer really sets this movie up well. I think it does it justice. It doesn't give too much away, but it, it tempts you enough into the movie. No, it's an, it, it, to agree with Stacy there, it's an excellent horror film trailer because you don't get any reveals. You don't, nothing that takes away from the film as you're watching it, but it's something that most certainly sets the mood for what you're about to get into. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. So overall, we're not going to do any spoilers yet, but as soon as we get into the interviews with Laura Allen and Andy Powers, just consider it spoilers galore. So uh, for now, if you want to listen through and see whether or not you should watch this movie, overall, what did you all think of this movie? I thought it was great. Um, I was, I didn't know how they were going to tie in everything. I was a little skeptical going in, wondering where they were going to go, what the background was. But overall, as far as horror goes, uh, everything was believable in the setting of, you know, this particular horror or horror um the characters the acting was phenomenal i can't say enough about that actually and that's probably what made the movie for me everything from what they were dealing with from that point of view was very believable um but the whole pace the tone everything uh i thought it was great i also really enjoyed the movie as well which is rather surprising because i hate clowns and that was like my biggest factor in not wanting to watch this movie but after watching the trailer and giving it a chance I, I really enjoyed it. I think, like Mo said, the actors worked well. Everything tied in together. Like you could tell everybody 
enjoyed the movie and enjoyed making the movie and was passionate for the movie. So that comes through. Let me asterisk my comment and let me change the word from enjoyment to yes, it was horrifying. And <laughs> it, it did I was, what it intended. I was uh, actually going to ask Stacy how many times she had to try to watch this movie. I tried to watch it three times. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I made it 10 minutes in. The second time I think I made it only like 20 minutes in. And then finally I had one of my friends watch it with me who he does. He's funny enough, not scared of clowns at all. He's like, I'll watch this. Like, it's not a big deal. So I think having him watch it with me and he's not so scared because I immediately built this movie up to be horrifying. So that's, yeah. I think, part of the reason why I had to watch it so many it's times to get through it. And yeah, watching it with somebody who's not scared of clowns and isn't necessarily terrified by horror films really calmed me down to a level where I could enjoy the movie and not just be so hyped about being scared. Yeah, I, I I super enjoyed it too. I mean, there were there were a few like cheesy parts or parts if I was being really nitpicky, I could say like, oh, really that would happen. But then of course it's in a, a horror movie universe where rules are kind of bent and um, you can get away with more things because it's a film. But I I mean, you guys know me. I love. There are certain things that are just very visual and very intense and very, like, things that are now stuck in my brain. Various scenes that will never go away because they did them so well. Like, it's so, so interesting. So, um, yeah, I, I super enjoyed it as well. I did, I did too. It was a great film. It was enjoyable to watch. It held my attention. Uh, there were some good surprises in it. Um, I... I I didn't feel the film was super predictable, so I really enjoyed that as well. There were multiple times that I wondered uh, how a scene was going to play out based on what the characters, what choices the characters were making. Uh, so yeah, I, I really liked it. So I, I would, I would recommend this film to any fan of horror. For sure, definitely. Yeah, I'd say definitely. Awesome. Uh, well, you hear it. You heard it. Uh, four star recommendation from the Don't Split Up gang. Uh, we're going to go ahead and dive into the interviews before we finish our review of the film. So we're going to come back after we talk with Laura and Andy about uh, we'll, we'll do our you know spoiler conversation and talk about our best, worst and all of that. Uh, but for now, we're going to jump over to our interview with Laura Allen. Uh, she plays Meg, the loving wife and mother in the film. And Laura's been acting since 2000. She's been on TV shows like All My Children, Law and Order SVU. She She's been in several episodes of Criminal Minds, which we're going to talk about in the interview with her as well. Uh, Grey's Anatomy, House, Suits, a show called Terriers, and more. So she's got a, a, a quite a CV uh, as an actor and uh, does a phenomenal job in this movie. And uh, so we think you're really going to enjoy our interview with Laura. Let's go ahead. An and observation of this that. loaded moment. I am not in favor of splitting up, nor am I three days from retiring. I will not be right back. Thanks for joining us, Laura. Hi, guys. I'm so excited for Clown to come out, and this is um, actually kind of my first opportunity to talk about it at length. So you're not a stranger to thrillers, but this was your first full-blown horror film. Are you a fan of the genre in general, or is there any one you like better of the like subgenre of horror? We shot the film three and a half years ago, and... Um, so it's it's fun to revisit it because I so I have to kind of go back and remember my original impulse about doing the movie. But um, I do remember re reading the script for the first time. I was in a 
a hotel in New York City because I was staying. I was shooting a pilot there, and I had a three-month-old baby, and we were on. We were actually in, a, in this hotel down in Soho when I was reading the script, and and Sandy hit the, the storm, and the whole hotel went out, and we were re- relocated and everything. And I, I remember reading Clown and going, "Man, I don't know if I'm just if it's the circumstances under which I, I'm reading this, but I I totally hooked into." You know, the fright of just not knowing what, when's electricity coming, you know, wanting to protect my family and, and in these strange circumstances and just, just putting your child first. And so, so I, I don't know, it's sort of a, a gut feeling. I was like, no, I get this. I get this woman. And every choice that Meg makes made sense to me, you know, as, as a mother. So that's one of the things I really appreciate about the movie is that. There's so many times in horror movies you are watching the characters on screen and you say, "Come on, no one would ever do that," and it doesn't. Right. It doesn't feel like that in Clown. Like it feels really, really believable, really grounded, and you you kind of get these people. What I re- really loved about it was, you know, they had they had lives. I mean, he he had his own disappointment, sort of a midlife crisis with these foreclosures going on, and he felt like a failure to his family. And, you know, she's, she works in a dentist, she's a dental hygienist, and, and they were just really re- well-rounded characters. And then you get right into it immediately. And um, the horror becomes, you know, I love that my husband turns into this monster and he's completely self-aware of it. And in that sense, it became almost more like, a, like a Cronenberg sound like a, like the fly or something like he's got this conscience about it and he can't stop himself and finally reveals himself to her um so so yeah I think I think I did appreciate that too that you know for for as eerie and strange as the, as it becomes it's it, they make very human choices and very they're very real well and as you said you, and it it's definitely it's very organic, even down to the relationship that you know Kent has with uh, your father in the film, and it all kind yes. of plays into you know like should yeah. we believe him? Is he just losing it? Like you know, do I listen to my dad? Do I you know follow my husband? It was right, it was tough. right, uh, yeah. And and it's and it is it, to me it was like a very real family drama, much like The Exorcist or something. I mean, there's there is just a very real family drama that then the special effects and the sound and the, that, that's where the horror comes in. But, but um, you care about these people. You really do genuinely care. And there's even some humor in it, which is kind of strange to me, you know, like with, with horror, you don't see that. So it's, it sounds like you're a fan of horror in general. I have, you know, look, I have, I have some favorites, but, um, but, but I, yeah, I said the, the exorcist, the exorcist is by far my favorite that I've seen. Um, but I grew up with Freddy Krueger and, and then the ones that have, have scared me, I'd say, I'd say the only found footage one that I really, that really got me was Blair Witch. But, um, but, uh, then, you know, just the creepy factor of even Hannibal Lecter, you know, in, in, in Silence of the Lambs, you know, but yes, I mean, I just like something that's going to be truthful. And so it, some, sometimes you read a horror script and it's just so far-fetched. But, um, but no, I, I, I enjoyed the read of Clown, and so I signed on. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, this, this whole movie was very believable to me. Um, <laughs> and I was terrified watching this whole thing. I mean, we'll start oh, off with the fact that I'm terrified of clowns. So that <laughs> initially, that mindset, you know, already got me into this, like, scared mindset. 
Um, but so did you ever get like scared on set while you were filming or like in between like takes? Right. I know. And so that's the thing is that what's what's funny with a, a horror film set is that you don't know if it's going to be scary because a lot of it is in post-production with the special effects. I mean, when I first got to set and we shot this up in Ottawa in the wintertime, so it's November, December, it's freezing cold and it's dark. And they walked me right over to the special effects truck and they showed me there's four levels of the clown, but then each level is broken down into, I don't know, four be four bits like the teeth and the hair mm. and the you know the eyeballs and all of it and so they they had it so well charted and uh so 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 then i i knew i knew immediately i was in good hands because of the art the art directors behind it and and john watts who was just out of school you know and had made this trailer this fake trailer you know the story right yeah mm-hmm. you know the story yes and then um but but there was such like, he and uh, Chris Ford who wrote the script had worked I think they'd done a, a few things before Clown and um, I just felt I just felt the confidence on set and the vision with you know the progression of the Clown and um, so yeah I, I immediately felt like I was it was a good team. And that trailer was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> when, when JR first sent that to me, I didn't realize that they could see me. We had kind of done it at the end of a previous podcast, and they're like, check out this preview oh, yeah. and see if you're interested. Well, my camera was still on, and I didn't, I wasn't aware that they could see me while I was watching the video. And they're like dying <laughs> laughing in the background watching my facial features because I was truly horrified. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. And I think we were a little bit worried that it wasn't ever going to get a U.S. theatrical release because it really is pretty gruesome. It's not a movie for children, you know, and it, it, I mean, it's not just... Or adults. some adults. <laughs> no, or, or, or many adults. <laughs> so you so said... You, oh, go ahead, Mo, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say... Um, so you kind of talked about when you were in that hotel and you were with your family, right? So you're, you're married oh, yeah. and the mother of two? And a mother of two, and yes, they they are they won't they won't get to see this for a lot of years. <laughs> so, so how hard was it to get into that role, though? I mean, both as an actress and a mother, knowing that at one point in time in that script, you were going to make the decision to sacrifice a child in an effort That's to kind right. of save your family. That's right. I know. Well, you know, like I said, I had I had a three month old on set, and so when you have a three month old, wherever you are, you don't you don't sleep and you kind of go into this manic place and you're, you know, I, I was a mother who was breastfeeding. And so I, I, we breastfed with very gory situations going on all around us and I'm blood splattered and my poor baby doesn't care. Doesn't care. There's no electricity in New York. Doesn't care that, you know, it's freezing cold in Ottawa and we were doing night shoots. And there were times when you start work at six o'clock in the evening and you have lunch at two, 2 AM and then you don't get home till, I don't know, 10 or something in the morning. And then you go to sleep and then you wake up. So you only live in darkness, you know, and, um, and the crew, the crew is awesome because there's a baby on set. So it helps, you know, just keep it all pretty, pretty light. But there, but you do, you have just a primal instinct when you're a mother and when you're a new mother, especially, and when you're in a foreign situation where it's dark all the time and it's snow and it's cold. And so you're dealing with real elements so I think all of these things actually helped me and the sleeplessness made me crazy <laughs> in itself, you know, <laughs> so, so um, 
you know, I talk about it like this, but it's one of, it's one of my best memories as an actress because I, I actually also had my mother on set helping me oh, with awesome. the, with Jake. So, um, but, but you know, you're thrown right into it. And so there's not a real leap of, you just, you just go with it. You, you, you fight. You had some yeah, fairly yeah. emotionally charged scenes like that one where, you know, you've got the little girl locked outside of your car, oh, and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, in between like, do I save her? Do I let her stay out there? I mean, did you kind of reflect on real life, what you would do in that situation or where did you pull that? <sighs> motivation? I mean, you you're, know, you're, you're, yeah, you're complicit in a murder. You're, I mean, now, now I, I'm taking responsibility for the situation and, and what would make you do that? And I'm, I'm one of these actors who believes that that as humans we're, we have to make these these choices we aren't good or evil we are put in circumstances that what would it take for me to to do that and and if i'm really if i really believe in the well-being of my you know if i'm going to fight for the well-being of my children then yeah you know you ha- you have to do that, those things and you, you i'm working with all these innocent innocent beautiful Canadian children. Sorry. Lock the door. But they were so polite about it, right? I know they were. They were so sweet. Um, so do, you, do you think um, that scene is kind of where Meg decided to give up on Kent, or do you think it happened earlier in the movie, or as a progression through the movie? I think Kent gives up on Kent before she does. When I think the, the turn happens when he starts to come after our child. You know, I mean, then, then she's going to just only defend the child. When As soon as he turns on us, that, that's when, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, we're well into spoilers at this point, but uh, that final scene was just right, like, right, right. like where he's right. in the basement chained up and you're like, I think we can save him. And your son's like, that's not dad, mom. I mean, that was that's like right. Just, that's right. It was a cool. phenomenal scene. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's not daddy. Well, exactly. Yeah. I saw that's the turn. I was going to say one of the scariest por- parts for me was like the final scene where he's hiding underneath the stairs and then Kent like blocks him in and then yes. breaks through this. Oh my God. I screamed out loud. And I was like, <laughs> she better go save him. Like that was where like, I don't have any kids, but if I had kids, like that's where my instincts like kick in. Like she better go get him right now. Like, save him. Yes. Yes. I know. I do. I think. I think being a mother has actually helped me with this film more than any other. Absolutely. This, as we, you've already mentioned, you shot this film three and a half years ago. Oh All of you have gone on to other stuff, and I can say from this side of the camera, like we fans have been dying to see this movie. Oh, uh, the trailer. So you've known about it for years, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I saw the trailer. I mean, I saw the trailer, and I didn't yes. know that it wasn't even made yet. And then, and then it. Then it was made, and we just couldn't have it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I know. So I know. can you just talk through how it feels, how that waiting game felt, and how it feels to yeah. finally have it coming out? You know, I mean, exactly because what, what was it, 2012, and you get through 2013, and we felt like, well, it's just they're taking their time with it, and then, you know, I, I remember signing on and knowing that it already had a distribution deal, so. So I wasn't quite sure what was what was the holdup, and then Halloween's would pass, and Friday the Thirteenth would pass, and I think, what are they waiting for? I remember when um, it was a Friday the Thirteenth, and Jake Gyllenhaal's movie came out was so good. What was it? Uh, it's not really horror, I guess, but but you know there there were opportunities that came and went, and so 
I was waiting too. And then we, I, I, believe it or not, I just sort of gave up on it. It was released in Scotland and the UK and Italy. And then, yeah, it just, it, it was frustrating. I kept calling Andy, Andy was calling me, Andy was calling producers and, and Eli Roth is behind it and everything. And, and we just, we just couldn't get a real answer. So the fact that it's finally coming out and it's a limited release, but it's going on television as well. I'm just so glad people get to see it. Yeah, it's definitely worth the watch. People should definitely see this movie. Yeah. I can't wait to see it on the big screen. I live in Dallas, oh, so I'm hoping it's I'm hoping we're a big enough city that we get it to be able to see it on the big screen because it, it is it was horrifying enough uh, in the small screen experience. So, good, good. And and I know and, and I, I know Los Angeles will get it and I'm I'm sure New York New York's already got posters up. Um, I see this public picking up steam. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Yes, uh, I know. The poster was banned in Italy. You heard that? Yeah. <laughs> really? I mean, it's banned oh, yeah. in my house. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Might as well. Might as well. But. <laughs> so you've already kind of self-disclosed that you know you're a fan of the genre. You like horror. Uh, do you have a favorite? I mean, besides clown, we know this is probably the best. Um, but one that you recommend or a favorite, like of all time? You know what else I really loved. Um, a couple of years ago was the Babadook. Did you see this movie? Yes, yes. so good. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, right. Of course you would have. But it's yeah, out of Australia, and something was just so so eerie, and and also like a kind of a female lead who was just a really real person. And um, I think that that's what's horrifying for me. It's not even the monster that comes out. It's the it's real people handling real things and having to to, to kind of confront themselves and how they're going to react. So that so the Baba Duke is a favorite. What else did I love? No, definitely The Exorcist. And then yeah, like the the Jason. I, I grew up watching those films. Um, yeah, that's what I can think of offhand. Have no, you have you by I've, chance gotten to, gotten to see Good Night, Mommy? No. It's uh, no, it's no, an awesome. Austrian film that just I think it just kind of came out on video uh, but it's another one where it's a mom and kids so it sounds right. like it's right up your alley yeah oh I'll check it out good night mommy uh, what's next for you I mean obviously you're doing some press now for clown but what like yes. what's next for you uh, well I shot a movie called the tale a really beautiful movie last year with Ellen Burstyn actually speaking of the exorcist and I play her younger self and uh, Laura Dern's in it. And we shot that in Shreveport. Again, it's an independent, so hopefully it won't be three and a half years. But um, uh, that should come out hopefully in a year or less than a year. And then uh, uh, I shot a pilot, didn't get picked up for Marvel. And then Criminal Minds, Beyond Borders with Gary Sinise. I'm, I'm in, in a, a, the, the season finale next week. Awesome. And then just auditioning. And I'm right at, actually writing screenplays, too. So... Um, um, I have a quick question. I'm a huge fan of Criminal Minds. How was it to be on that show? Oh, I mean, I feel like that's almost as scary as some of the episodes are almost as scary oh, I know. as Clown can be. <laughs> I know. Realistically, I did fun. one. Yeah. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. That can be kind of horrifying. I mean, and I shot an episode of Criminal Minds a few years ago, and um, where I was chased in the woods by these guys, these brothers who were like with crossbows, and they would release me and send me running and uh, yeah it was a crazy episode um and i actually worked with the same director for this one the gary sinise one and 
again, you know, I don't know if it's this point in my career or what, but I'm playing the mother who loses the child and, <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> a, you know, it's a lot of, yeah, which is a horror show, which, which is to, in my, my imagination. And when I go to that place, just emotionally, what that means, um, yeah, it, it terrifies me. And so, so there's, there's emotion, a lot of emotional work that I have to bring to these jobs, which, you know, I'm just glad to go home to my family at the end of the day and hug yeah. them. So yeah. is, the, is the writing a new thing for you? You mentioned that you're working on screen yes. now. Is that something you're yes. into? Or? Yeah, it is. No, I, you know, I've been, I've been an actress for 16 years. And, um, so I've read a lot of scripts over this amount of time and I, I don't know. I feel like, um, well, to be honest, some of them aren't, some scripts aren't very good. And I feel like, you know, there's, <laughs> there's stuff that you just learn as you pick up as you go along and you feel like, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try. So I've just finished my first, my first one. I have an idea for another one. And, um, and you know, I, there's a real push out there too, for, for women to start writing, writing scripts. Um, so I'm at it. We'll see how it goes. That's awesome. It's definitely not horror. I'm not. It's not horror. <laughs> I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask. Like, yeah. what are you yeah. writing? Yeah. Of, <laughs> I know. Or is it just but whatever comes to mind? Is, yeah, my first one's sort of a. Uh, I could see it being like a Sundance picture. You know, it's it's sort of a small budget, small takes place in San Diego. It's funny what happens when I, when you're a writer and you're an actor, but you kind of bring a lot of your just shadows of your own pro, your past projects into your script. So I was on a series called Terriers, and, and it was probably my favorite job. It was on the FX network, and I feel like a lot of the flavor of my own script kind of I owe a lot to that series. Um, kind of a no, noirish, beached um, San, San Diego, you know, <clears throat> kind of grainy and with Mexico nearby. Um, so that so my first script kind of borrows from that, but. As an actress, I'm interested in comedy right now. I don't know. That's a whole new thing, too. In my 16 years, I haven't done much comedy. But, so is that but just it's fun to go... Challenge that? something new, or what led you to... Yeah, it's, it's horrifying, because I'm... Well, I mean, it's like <laughs> when you're not funny, it is scary. It's scary to not be funny when it's a comedy and when things just fall completely flat. So, um, so it's just a new challenge, because I haven't done it before. Well, that's great. We think you'll have nothing but success. You I mean, in everything we've seen you, and you've been Thank awesome. You. And you were great in this movie. I mean, such a believable. Oh, movie. thank you. I, well, I'm so excited, and it's so fun to talk about this because you, you guys are my first interview about this movie. But um, I think there's going to be a good response to it, and I, I can't believe it's taken this long to come out. But finally, it's here. Finally, it's here. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Horror fans, beware. Yes. Um, so, Laura, where's a good way for fans to connect with you? Online is probably the easiest, I would guess. Yeah, you know, you're right. I I'm, I do have a Twitter presence. Um, I'm at Laura underscore Allen, L-A. And um, so so I'll be there a lot as as uh, we ramp up to the, the opening. Excellent. Well, Laura, we just want to say thanks again. Uh, listeners, please reach out to her on Twitter. Let her know what you thought of Clown yes, and that do. you enjoyed her on here on the on the show. And Laura, again, thank you so much for taking time to chat you with guys us. In favor of splitting of up. Nor am I three days from retiring. I will not be right back. Uh, Andy Powers plays Kent. He is the husband and titular clown of the film. Uh, Andy's also been acting since 2000. He's been on shows like Law and Order. He had a uh, pretty 
colorful character on HBO's Oz. Uh, he has been on ER, Blue Bloods, and more. And it turns out he's also a pretty big conversation. Or con- <laughs> <laughs> Come again? Yep. He's a conversationalist. He's a conversationalist, which you're going to hear in the interview uh, when we converse with him. Okay, take two. <laughs> Uh, and he's a big conservationist, which we get into in the interview a little bit. So uh, enjoy our interview with Andy Powers. In an observation of this loaded moment, I am not in favor of splitting up, nor am I three days from retiring. I will not be right back. So we have Andy Powers with us today, the uh, star of the recently uh, debuted Clown. Um, Andy, thank you for coming to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about it. How um how did you get involved in Clown? What uh what brought you to this film? There's a, a casting director in New York who's been a, a sort of a champion of mine for a long time. Brought me in at sort of the, the ground level for a uh, ground floor level of auditioning, and uh, and I I just hit it off with the director and um, uh, through I through a series of events that have remained a mystery to me. They eventually I I got offered the part. Now, was that like mysterious or anything? Was that even before the 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 famous now famous trailer? No, um, it was uh, it was it was after um, they they made from what I understand they made this trailer and uh, they illegally put Dimension Films and like Eli Roth's company <laughs> logo in front of it. And then uh, when Eli Roth contacted them, they were like, please don't sue us. <laughs> and, uh, they, and, and he said, no, no, that's okay. Well, why don't you guys make the movie? And then that started the whole apparatus of, you know, the of production and, and getting casting and locations and yada, yada, yada. Done. And then that's when I came involved, which is weird because, like, I actually know the guy, um, Bill Peden, who, or William Peden, who played that part in that trailer. So it was kind of interesting that uh, I ended up doing it in the film. Huh. You know? So are you a fan of horror in general? Um, I, I don't know. I have, I have misgivings about it. I can't watch movies without thinking I'm going to die when I watch horror movies. So I get really <laughs> yes. freaked out. Like my, my fiance watches them and she's, and you know, she can watch anything and be nonplussed by it. And I actually have to like pause movies and like, take a breather because I feel like something's going to reach out and like stab me or something. But, but, uh, I, I do like good horror movies. I, I do, especially, you know, cause they're, I, I just, I, I, if they have like a, uh, I don't want to say a deeper context, but if it's a good story that I'm totally with it, but I, I generally shy away from just gore and torture porn for like horror's sake, you know, I need yeah. a good story at least. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned you have to pause movies. I had to watch. It took me three times to watch The Clown. Oh, really? <laughs> I had to stop like 10 minutes in. And then the second time, like I made it like 20 minutes in. And then the third time I finally made it through. But I, I get the feeling that something's coming for you when you're watching scary movies. Yeah, that's how I roll. I, I you know, I, I, I'm glad to hear you say that because when you, when you film something, you know, from when you read the script and, you know, day in, day out, you're shooting these little moments that add up to a film, you know, you, you kind of lose your fear of it because you're like, you know, when I watch it, it was like, I could think like, oh, this, this thing is about to happen or that's about to happen. So it didn't frighten me. But I imagine if you hadn't seen it or read it, it could be pretty scary. Did you find that true? 
Oh, it was so scary. Absolutely. Yeah, we, I'm glad to hear. I'm we hear. we loved the film. We really did. It was it was awesome. So, oh, good. I'm sure. Oh, John would love to hear that. So in your in your career, you played plenty of pretty colorful characters, uh, even including your turn in Oz. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you're play, you're playing a man possessed by a clown costume. Like, what was that like? To how, how did you find that character? How did you get into that space? Um, well, you know, I'll be honest. I had some help. You know, I um, there's a great acting coach named Kate McGregor Stewart, and she happens to be a friend of ours. And, uh, and I sat down with her and, and, you know, essentially, you know, in the movies, I was playing two characters and, and, uh, it, it's, it's, it's akin to something like, uh, Cronenberg's The Fly, where one character is rising as another one is diminishing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so it was really, it was interesting to explore all that because it started with physicality, you know, different sort of ailments that Kent is, uh, feeling, and then the actual sort of mind trip begins, where he's suddenly motivated to do, you know, these terrible things until ultimately, you know, uh, I mean, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, so you might want to edit this. Oh, uh, it's but, all you know, we told everyone you know, spoilers. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. We told him. Yeah, yeah. Well, ultimately, like he, you know, it, you know, he di- he completely disappears, and that's and there's I think you'll you know there's a there's a real moment in that film where you know Kent is no longer there, and it's just clown. Um, so I, I think for me, it was, it was just really, I had to take, you should see, I had this like giant chart where I, you know, it took me about two weeks to, to make where I just, you know, had to take each scene apart beat by beat because you can't, if you show your cards too soon, the movie doesn't work, you know? So you had, it had to be this very slow, inexorable sort of a journey into that. You know, where, whereas if you, you know, oh, suddenly I'm evil. Well, it's not scary. It's not interesting. You know, so you have to see he's, that Kent struggles not just with the physical transformation, but also the, the, the spiritual, soulful and mental transformation that happens on the inside. You know? Yeah. So, so how tough was that journey to play? I mean, Kent was a profoundly tragic character. I mean, he was a good person trying to be yeah. by his family. And, you know, all of a sudden you have to balance this journey of him losing himself. Uh, you know, you got to be horrifying as the clown. You're at the same point in time, sympathetic father. You know, what what was that like? Um, it was, it, you know, it's interesting. You know, it, the, the shoot itself was really difficult because, you know, it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't like a, a lot of money. So we had to really maximize the hours in the day that we shot. So it sort of added to that what you just, you know, what you just alluded to was that, that, uh, that painful tragedy, because I was so exhausted, you know, physically from doing it because we, you know, I would have to be, I would have to show up at five o'clock, you know, four o'clock in the morning to get into makeup and then work anywhere between, you know, 10 and 14 hours that day before I spent another two hours taking the makeup off. And, um, so, so just, you know, what it does, what it does is it, it just kind of, you, you suddenly find yourself immersed in it and, and really, you know, stewing on what this guy is going through. And, and I, I, it was, I'm glad you pointed that out because you're the first, per, you know, people I've talked to that, that actually pointed out the tragedy of Kent versus just like, Oh, you know, you went after kids. Wasn't that cool. And, uh, it, it was, it was sad, you know, because he loses this man out of trying to do the right thing, loses absolutely everything, you know, 
mm-hmm. including himself. So, so, so yeah, at what point in the, in the movie do you think um, Ken lost himself to the clown? Um, I think, well, he lost him. He was, that's a weird question because I think he gave over to it in the hotel room mm. after the, 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 the saw blade flew across the room. Oh man. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think that's when he gave into it, but he didn't actually disappear until he was in the chained up in the basement. Yeah. So when when his son his son comes looking for him, Kent has Kent has left the building finally. But I think that's the whole disease of the clown suit, which is that it forces you to be complicit in it. And that's the that's the you know I, can I curse a little bit? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Well, that's the soul fuck of the movie is that it, it makes him want to help or be the clown. It, it, it creates this sort of. Uh, this really amplified sensation of instincts, you know, hunger, uh, just insatiable need to do what he does. But it's all through the filter of Kent before uh, Clown takes over. So it's it's Kent that ultimately decides he wants to do this, you know, even as horrific it is, as it is to him. And that is the final straw that allows Clown to, like, become the, in the to get into the driver's seat. The scene that really underscored that for me was the scene with the bully playing Halo, where Kent is Kent is like protecting his son, but the clown is being served Uh, by that. And so it was like a yeah, you saw how it was. The clown was like inviting him deeper into its evil by warping his protective instinct as a father. Right. Well, that 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 is the like the you know that's a a perfect illustration of how the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, like I'm looking out for my kids. I'm going to eat this one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Oh, <man. laughs> yeah, it was that was a brutal. That we went to this really nice. The locations manager for this movie was really interesting. Like every you know, not a lot of production at that point had been going on in Ottawa where we shot. And so there were homes all over the city that just opened their doors to us. And they allowed this horror movie to come in and be filmed. And that particular house, I thought I was really horrified by like, you know, I, I, I walked in and the, the whoever owned the house was a big game hunter. So there were these, you know, huge, you know, uh, uh, taxidermists, you know, uh, bears and like polar bear skins and deer heads and moose heads and, I think there was even like a leopard or something in there. So I was, I was pretty freaked out when we shot in that location. And, I, <laughs> oh, gosh. and uh, you know, I don't get anybody in trouble, but I think we accidentally like with the, the blood gag part, like accidentally like destroyed the polar bear. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> was, or I, got, I mean, like, I guess you can wash it. I mean, it's a bear, right? But it was, uh, um, yeah, I just, I looked over and I saw this, you know, polar bear uh, uh, hide that, that like somebody had fake blood all over it. <laughs> well, maybe that adds to the ambiance. I mean, it is a dead animal after all. So it's more of an action, yeah, that's what I'm you know, saying. Stuffing. Like, you know, embrace what you've done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you were talking about um, how it took that long for you to take off your makeup. Did you ever have nightmares that you legit couldn't take your makeup off? Like in the movie? Not the, not the face stuff you know the, the makeup artist by the way uh uh the the makeup artists that work on this the, from Alterian and 
Hugo and every in Day and Era, they were great. And uh, so they, you know, it's really interesting when you when you work with a makeup artist, they have to have a certain demeanor because they're in your physical space so many hours of the day. Right. So you can't have someone who's like agitated or really over talkative or anything. It takes a real cool customer to do that work effectively, like to focus and keep you uh, serene, calm and collected. And uh, so I never had a problem with the face makeup, but I did have a problem with the suit because they built this suit over uh, a diving suit Right. Oh, so even though we, even though we were in the dead of winter, up in Ottawa, I felt I was constantly feeling like I was in a hundred and twenty degree heat. Even though it was, you know, six below zero outside, I I was dying of heat exhaustion. So I actually had a few nightmares of <laughs> sort of being swallowed up into like a synthetic sort of strangulation tourniquet type thing. I think that happened once or twice. Oh gosh. Did they make the suit like that to try to help you get into character or the idea of that you couldn't remove it? Or was it to help you keep warm and it just backfired? <laughs> no, I don't think they thought about me one bit. I think they, you know, in fact, like, you know, this is kind of funny, but then there was, you know, the, it's, you, I, at some point you can see there's no zipper in front. They basically, you step into it, they zip you up and back and they take the, the you know, the, the FX skin and they had to glue me in every time, right? So when I had to go to the bathroom, there was no just unzip, take it out, you know, take, you know, get out of the suit, go to the bathroom, and come back because it's you know an hours and hours long process, wow. you know. Because once you put the suit on, then they have to put the, uh, you know, the what's the the collar, you yeah. know, that sort of reptilian collar on. And that gets glued down. So you you know what I mean? So what they did was that at the groin area, sort of out of uh, the shot of camera, there was a Velcro opening, you know, and the only way, but it was, it was too far. I'm, sorry, I'm getting into some really gross anatomy here, but it was too far back to be effective when you had to go pee, you know? So yeah. I had to like, I went through like, you know, every time someone was going through a roll of paper towels, I'm like, grab that, the you know, the cardboard cylinder. I need that. I need that. And <laughs> oh, my gosh. Watch. Because that's the only way. I know. That's the only way I could go to the bathroom, you know. So that, you know, they, they did torture me, I guess. You know, but there was one point. Okay, this is, I, I don't care. I, people know this is funny. <laughs> but there was one thing that looked like a dust buster with a hose on it. And it was a, it was a, it was a little air conditioner. And so, you know, because I would be overheating at times. And so I'd have to step aside. And the poor makeup girl would just, like, sit there, go into the Velcro hole with this, like, fan and sit there. And it just looked terrible, you know, leaning against the craft service table with this thing in my, my crotch. And, like, and yeah, I'm an ecstasy but not for the reasons that people were thinking you know, and, you know, and the poor crew up there they're looking over and they're like why do I do this for a living look at that guy over there by the craft service there nobody wants to eat now oh yeah. my goodness. that's so amazing so so yeah. this movie you know you you filmed it like three and a half years ago or it was in post-production I guess at that point so how does yeah. it feel to finally have it like out and it'll be you know video on demand by June and all of that like how, how do you feel about it uh, I feel great about it you know especially for you know the filmmakers and producers you know John Watts and uh, Cody Ryder and, you know, uh, 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 Christopher, uh, you know, they, 
they put a lot of you know blood, sweat, and tears into making the movie, and uh, for whatever reason, you know that it took so long to come out. You know, it's just I'm really happy for them because you know they took a big risk on me because I you know I'm not a big movie star or anything. So to be the lead in their film, it it was a real privilege. You know, um, so I'm happy that people finally get to see it. You know, a few people were like, "You never made that movie. You made all that." <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Uh, and so now it's, it's, and enough time has passed that I don't have a lot of emotion invested into it. Like, you know, that I don't know how many actors you've, you've, uh, gotten interviewed, but you know, there's a, there's always like a, an element of desperation in this business with the next thing you're going to do. So I've been able to let that go. And, uh, you know, a few years ago. And so now it's just fun. You know, I get to go enjoy this film with everybody else because, you know, it's been a while and life has moved on. And so now I get to go see it and not judge it or myself or anything and, and uh, have a good time. Yeah, I think sure. I can safely talk for the group here when I say, I mean, we all thought the acting was amazing. I mean, you and Laura both, I mean, both. Oh, are, thank you. The characters. Yeah, are I love And Laura's great. She's really wonderful. She's, uh, um, you know, she and I, uh, keep in touch and, and, uh, she's also really excited. I think it, her, her kids are still not old enough to see it, but you know, <laughs> she's, uh, she's pretty psyched. <laughs> Would you talk a little bit about uh, like your work that you do in conservation? I know that's like a way sharp left turn, but uh, we were kind of fascinated. We were, you know, doing our internet stock interview, getting ready for this episode. And uh, it, uh, one of your bios oh, said no. that you do a lot of like conservation work or travel. And that's like a passion yeah, a of yours. Packing and conservation. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I, I don't want to mislead anybody. I, I mean, that's that's definitely a passion of mine. I I do do a lot of uh, wilderness backpacking. I, I love the backcountry, um, and I you know, and I donate to organizations that I, I you know that I feel um, try their best to be effective in the fight against things like climate change and uh, you know overdevelopment of our natural resources and, and keeping our our parks, uh, our our national parks and. Uh, you know, pristine condition as best they can, because um, they're a national treasure. You know, and and I, I feel, you know, whenever I meet people that like they, you bring up the word camping or backpacking, and they roll their eyes at you, it just really kind of I feel like that's kind of tragic. Like why, you know, you're why would you you you'd rather go watch you know some sort of film or photographic representation of something you can literally get in your car or a bus and go look at, you know, and it's infinitely more beautiful and interesting than anything you'd see on your iPhone or something, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a passion of mine. You know, I just, I, I, I didn't start doing something. I didn't start uh, camping and backpacking and hiking until, you know, I was already an adult, you know? And so I came to it with sort of a fresh eyes, you know, I wasn't really raised to like, necessarily really appreciate it but, but i do so um it's important and with all the you know especially now with you know climate change and and the uh just uh completely uncontrollable wildfire problem that we have you know it's it's uh it's sad that not enough people talk about it and are not aware of it yeah um so i actually am a very uh, environmentally like conscious person. Um, I actually great. go to school at OSU, and I'm a natural resource management major. So it's it's, good. Oh, it's wonderful to hear you say this. Um, 
and I'm uh, I love camping and being outdoors as much as possible. Do you have like a favorite place you like to go with the family or? Um, well, I'm pretty solitary when I go camping. I'll be honest, I, I go solo more often than not. Um, my favorite place to go um, thus far has been Yosemite and, and uh, the Ansel Adams Wilderness. I've done the John Muir Trail on the West Coast uh, twice. And uh, that to me is just God's country. And I don't know, you know, for those that don't know about it, it's, uh, it's a 230-mile trek through the wilderness. That It's the longest hike in America that doesn't cross a it go through a town, doesn't cross a highway. It's just wilderness, and it traverses the timber line in the Sierra Nevadas of California. And it's uh, if you're familiar with Ansel Adams and all his beautiful nature photography, those oh, big, pristine black and white photos, that's what I'm talking about. And uh, um, I started doing that because when I was living in Los Angeles, my buddies and I would go up to Yos- to Yosemite National Park, and we would just be in like the really congested meadow of the park where there's a lot of people and and it was nice but we would always leave after four or five days and it was just when something was starting to feel interesting you know and you're just starting to feel a connection to that place so I vowed to go back and spend a lot more time so you know I've spent overall about probably four months you know straight in the park you know through different hikes and, uh, and it just changes you after a while you know, um, and I think that's really what led me to you know being really, really vocal about environmental issues and and uh, you know keeping our national treasure safe. And, yeah, uh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, and now I'm on the East Coast, so I like to go up into you know the Catskills or the Adirondacks. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, another actor friend of mine, you know, she's shown me all these these loops around the Appalachian Trail just, you know, an hour or two hours out of the city. So it's been a lot of fun. But I'm terrified of Lyme disease, so I don't go camping out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like cheap before I go out west. Uh, well, as we're heading um, to wrap up, sorry, we like to ask our guests for a horror recommendation. So other than Clown, uh, is there is Ooh. there a, a movie that you'd recommend that you know for people that just enjoy the genre? Because you you said right you don't like the the cheap torture porn kind of stuff. Uh, so like what um, what's one yeah, you like? I, I well, it's funny you should say that because like even though it is torch, I, it could be construed as torture porn. It's really it's really a good movie. Is I first one that pops into my head is Wolf Creek. Oh from, yeah, like, a few years ago. That's that's one of my favorite films because it's just so terrifying and. And I, cause usually when I watch like a torture porn movie, I just go, meh, you know, I don't believe you're really doing that to that person, you know, but that movie really shocked me. It was really scary. Um, uh, another one. Okay. This is kind of funny. There's a, the, it's really hard to find, but it scared me so much as a kid. And for some reason I still get scared when I, when I hear it, when I see it. Um, there's an old movie from the seventies. It's a mockumentary sort of movie called the legend of Boggy Creek. Okay. And if you can if you can find it and and just and it, it's it's basically a uh, sort of like a if you took where the red fern grows and you, and and like Bigfoot and put it in the in the south and uh, um, started making sort of like a seventy style documentary about it. That's what you would have, and it's just about this you know Bigfoot type creature that terrorizes the sort of you know uh, Ozark 
you know, southern poverty area of the country. And, you know, it's really kind of dumb. I don't know why I'm telling you to go see it, because it's probably, probably <laughs> We won't be able to watch it. It's sort of like Jaws, where, you know, it's the new movie, you, it's what you don't see that scares you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and occasionally this, like, really cheaply made furry hand reaches in through a window. But, you know, that's about it. That's fantastic. You know. That's yeah. super awesome. So, so what do you have next? What what are kind of in the works for you? Anything that you're allowed to talk about? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I got a couple of things going on. Uh, one in particular is... Uh, we uh, well, I have a short film that's doing the festival circuit right now, and got into the Con Film Festival, and uh, it was directed by a guy named Jonathan Shakroon, and it's called Sasha, and it's a really great film. So if you're in, it's if you're in any area that has a a decent uh, short film festival, it, it should be there, and you can check it out. Otherwise, it'll be online soon. Cool. Um, another one is uh, my uh, my fiance Lauren Fox wrote a film. A uh, full-length feature called uh, uh, Atlas of the Soul, which uh, we had a successful crowdfunding campaign for, and after we made a trailer, and uh, we had—I can't tell you who's in it yet—but we have some really great um, A-list actors that have agreed to be in our film with the two of us that uh, we're going into principal photography this fall. That's very fantastic. Cool. Uh, it, yeah. It's directed by a, a really great indie filmmaker named uh, Jeremiah Kip. Very so, cool. uh, you know, yeah. And, uh, that's, that's that. And, you know, God knows what else comes down the pipe. You right. Know, whatever right. cop, cop or killer of the week I can book. I'll, I'll take <laughs> well, we'll um, put a link, uh, to your Twitter profile and the, uh, show notes at dustflip.com. And Andy, we just want to say again, thank you so much for coming on the show, for talking about clown with us. We love the movie. Uh, we're sure oh, all pleasure. of our listeners thank will. You. So, uh, thank you so much, Thanks. and uh, yeah, we'll uh, good luck with the film and with with uh, what's coming next. Oh, my pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. In an observation well. of this loaded moment, I am not in favor of splitting up, nor am I three days from retiring. I will not be right back. Okay, so you've heard the interviews with Laura and Andy, got a little bit more of a sense of what it was like to create the film. Uh, we want to finish out the episode by talking uh, more in-depth about spoilers for the film and what, what we thought, some of the ins and outs. Uh, so what were some of the most compelling bits for you? I mean, why, why did this movie scare you? Was it just that clowns are scary? It was... It was... Almost, kind of, uh, go ahead, Stace. I just feel like it's almost kind of like him like losing himself is what's the most horrifying. You know, he is obviously struggling. He's trying to make ends meet. He's willing to do whatever to make it necessary. And then he just slowly loses himself throughout the movie, obviously to the clown, but in his life, he's obviously losing himself as well. Well, and he's trying, right? Like he's, that's the battle. Like, I mean, to play off that, he's trying to be a good husband. He's trying to be a good father. Uh, the whole reason he gets that clown suit is because the clown bails on the birthday party and he's doing whatever he can to kind of make it right. He's already running late. You know, it's clear his father-in-law doesn't like him. Uh, I mean, he's got these life struggles. And like you said, you get to see that kind of, uh, you get to see him lose himself and he has to witness that. And they actually liken this movie to the fly because it's that same degeneration. You know, he sees the changes. He's uh, unable to stop it. And he, he doesn't know what to do. And um, mm, he does know what to terrifying. do. 
He does know what to do. He just doesn't want to act on it. What did you guys make of the fact that, you know, it's... They, he and his wife both believe right away, I mean, pretty much, that, that it, he is under the influence of a demonic force. But, like, none of Does them ever... believe? Right well, I mean, away? pretty... No, but I'm saying pretty quick. Pretty, it's not like it's not like until the final scene she doesn't believe. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's pr- relatively early in the film. Uh, I mean, I think... Well, I was going to say they don't ever, like... Um, they don't ever appeal to a priest... Like, I was waiting for them, we need an old priest and a young priest, you know, or something. Because uh, for me, when it, when there's, like, a demon, that's my yeah, my that's first go-to really is, you know, grab a crucifix and stuff. And that was completely absent from this movie. Uh, I truly enjoyed that. I like that they stayed away from some of the classic tropes and, like, cliches, so to speak. Um, I like I that they just well. went somewhere new with it and, you know, did their own thing. Hmm. I, I definitely like that. I was going to say, I just like that as well. I figured that both of you guys were going to say that you loved the backstory and getting to figure out the exact reason where it was coming from and and why it was happening and you have to sacrifice the kids and then the cancer kids and all that stuff. I'm sure I figured you, you would say that. I mean, correct. I, it really it really built up the story like and the story I mean with him and the wife and how he succumbs to the clown like the background information I loved it. I think well, they did a phenomenal job. And it added to the – it made it more believable because as you get the background story and you're kind of pitted against this hopelessness and you've got this guy where she's like, hey, how the hell did you beat it? Like I know you were this clown, which I thought was a great scene when she's got that picture and everything. And then that guy finally like starts telling her the truth and he's like, well, my brother helped me and we locked me up and – basically we sacrificed five children and she's like what and then that clown's like i'm gonna need another baby and she's like what Mm -hmm. and she got another baby i mean so that like i think that's where the horror started to come from is like the choices that had to be made in order to like save her family and so while the clown was terrifying like seeing what they were going through individually uh Mm -hmm. was equally terrifying i mean like what they were willing to sacrifice for their family and their loved ones is he was willing to sacrifice himself she was willing to sacrifice children i mean Mm -hmm. it was (laughs) for sure no i mean i i think it was really all of it was super interesting um yeah i i i loved it i loved the the dynamics of the family and really getting to dig into all of that i mean exactly everything that you guys were saying i thought it was um super well done i when we go to best worse i have like seven bests so <laughs> i'm gonna cheat real bad um you know well, one of the things like this, one of the things this film does well is the the show not tell right um mm-hmm. you know that this guy's having a rough time because he's late for his kid's birthday party and you're at first you're like well maybe is he just a bad dad and then you see no he's not like when he finds out that there's no clown like he goes out of his way to try to figure out something for his kid so like all of that tells you instantly that he loves his kid he loves his family but he's having a rough time the interaction with the father-in-law he's the, the guy's in that movie for five minutes maybe total you know but you know exactly what that relationship's like and how it informs what's going on they do such a good job of not holding your hand and walking you through uh things except you know except they have to give you the exposition dump of what a cloying is and it's you know an icelandic i mean some of that's a little bit inevitable in a film like this but they minimized the telling so well and and so we were able to spend time with the characters which is i think what made the film so effective 
Agreed. And you can relate to them. Like you can relate to his struggles and her struggles. And if you're married and have a father-in-law or a mother-in-law, it's all very relatable. It's easy to get into the story and understand their feelings. Yeah. So uh, initially, my my initial reaction to the end of the movie was was pretty negative because, uh, and I realized it's because I'm a, a Western horror movie goer. So if you think back to A Cabin in the Woods, right, uh, it, it pokes fun at the fact that Western horror is about people being punished for doing something bad uh, all the time, right? Friday the 13th, they're having sex at the cabin. And Halloween, you know, it's all, all of that kind of stuff, right? Uh, and so what I was wanting was, well, wait a second. It's not fair that a good dad got captured by this demon and there's nothing they could do about it. And so in the end, he just dies. Like, I was like, that's not fair. But then I realized, again, that's because I'm operating with this, like, very American, European sense of what a horror film is supposed to do. And there was this great article, I'll try to find it and post it in the show notes at don'tsplitup.com, that pointed out that uh, Eastern horror, like specifically Japanese and Korean horror, is much more about an innocent person who gets attacked by outside malevolent forces. And isn't that the more terrifying of the two? I mean, It it is. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it depends on whether or not you consider yourself a sinner, right? (laughs) No, I don't think so. So, uh, yeah, it was just interesting to me that we had a story of, like, a really good family and a really good dad who are just maliciously attacked uh, by this demon. And in the end, the family unit is destroyed, you know? I I, I like the ending. I feel like, um, like you said, most endings, it comes back together. I like that it didn't work out for them, like, and they just, I don't know where I was going with that. You know who else it didn't work out for? The old bully kid. Man, he got eaten so hard, and that was so gross. <laughs> Every when he first came onto the scene, or when he was being the bully or whatever, I kept saying, I kept saying during the movie, "O'Doyle oh, rules," <laughs> because it reminded me so much of him. I just love when he gets the nunchucks and he's sitting there and he's like facing the clown, and he realizes it's the other kid's dad, and he's like, "Mr. So and So." And then the guys on the video game are giving the, like, complete play-by-play of how he picked on that guy's son. He's like, guys, really, like, now is not the time. (laughs) Yeah, that was a really well-crafted scene. I definitely agree. And I like that scene because you can see the dad, he's he's fighting the clown. Like, he wants to do right by his kid. He wants to protect his kid. It just so happens he kind of submits to this greater evil. Yeah. Two birds with it. one stone, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that, like, kind of going back to the ending and everything, like, I, I like that it didn't work out for him. It fit the film the best, but I like that they kept teasing you with that chance of redemption. Like, at the beginning, they almost kind of make it seem like the only way to save him is really to kill him. And, like, that by saving him, they're just keeping him from the horrors he's about to commit. Um, and then as it progresses, you find out, well, there may be another way. It's not that much better Actually, it could be arguably worse. Uh, however, there is an alternate. And so you you don't know if we're going to pursue that or if we're going to, you know, go with the initial uh, plan. And so I, I like that there was always this question in the back of your mind, like, how far is the wife willing to go to protect her family or save her husband? Uh, so what did you think of her choice? You know, she, she kidnaps the girl. She delivers the girl. But then she ultimately ends up rescuing the girl. Well, does she? Because well, yeah, really, the she cop was just too up. late. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is all it was. And she realizes that he's already gone after her son. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Are you are you glad it worked out that way? Would you rather her have delivered the final victim and then they could be a family again? I was honestly thinking the whole time, like, let's say this plays out in her best possible favor, which really is arguable terms. Uh, and that child gets eaten by the clown man. What, uh... What's the outcome? Like a police report? Like they're all going to jail at that point in time. Like you've kidnapped and murdered a child. Your husband's killed a lot of people. Like now your son's just going to an orphanage. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I was glad it didn't work out. Um, but that was, I just kept trying to put myself in that position. I'm like, what would I do? It would have been, it would have been equally tragic if she had fed the girl to the dad. The dad had been released from the costume and then the mom ended up in prison for kidnapping or murder or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's like the dad and the son. Still you know? tragic, but... Yeah. It's interesting that there are several ways the film could have ended and none of them are happy. Mm-mm. You know? But I, li- I, like, I like that they did that. I don't think it would have worked if we got the happy ending at the end. It wouldn't have been as good as a film, I think. No, there was no clean or neat wrap-up for that. They were screwed. So, uh, best part of the film for you? Let's let Amanda go last. I know, I was going to say, I'll go last because I'm going to take all of them. (laughs) Um, So, I don't know if this is the best or a worst, but this is where I had to stop watching the first time, (laughs) is when he is on the job site the next day and he's trying to take the clown suit off and he's, like, realizing, like, it's not going anywhere. So, you see him start to pull out different tools to pull, to cut off this suit Oh my God. The first time he sliced his wrist, I was like, I'm done. Done watching this. Like, I, obviously you could see it was coming, but I just, nope. That mm-hmm. that scene really did me in. Yeah, for sure. It was brutal. Oh, oh God. That's not my best, but I like that scene just for the hilarity that's also going on with the, you know, three construction workers listening to him outside. Oh and like, my gosh, what the so hell funny. is he doing? Uh-huh. <laughs> meanwhile, like, he's in there truly struggling. Like, it was a good, they, they did well with like a, uh, the different dynamics that kind of played into the show. Um, and then, okay. We'll edit that gonna, out. Um, so that was like my best, wor- like my best worst, if that makes sense. My best best would be when he is in the woods and there's the Boy Scouts, and Oof. he he calls the one over and then bites his fingers off. And I was that's really where you see him com- commit to, mm-hmm. you know the downfall of being the clown mm. that, so was horrifying. That, mm. that that scene really worked so well uh, i always enjoy when a horror film subverts something and the way the, the way clown did this with the kids play place i thought was very effective so you have the blood in the ball pit and then you have them crawling in these tunnels and he's up there at the top you know i mean that's uh, the blood coming down and dripping down and all of that uh, again, that's supposed to be a place that's fun and silly, but really, like, if you've ever been in charge of watching a kid in there, you've all, everyone's had that moment of, like, where, where are they? Are they in the tunnel? Are they coming down the slide? Like, and you don't actually know where the kid is in the play area, right? And so there is this, like, weird sense of creepiness to those that I think Clown just made very overt. And so, yeah, that that whole that whole sequence was probably my my favorite individual moment. So, you and Stacy both kind of stole 
mine. So I'm just going to go with more of a fun part of the movie as opposed to my best. Because that part in the woods was like the turning point for me. That's where I was like, oh, snap, this just got real. Like, there's no going back from eating some fingers. You just can't undo that. So, uh, and the ball scene was also equally good. I really like that the older brother saves his younger brother. But, man, does he pay for it. Like, that was oh, that whole scene was amazing. But... uh no, I really like so the father-in-law is definitely an ass the entire time. He is not shy about his dislike for his son-in-law. Um, but I love the part where the wife comes back home and he's like, "You know, it's cool. Whatever you did, let's not even worry about it. Like I'm going to help you clean this up." Mm-hmm. And like you can kind of see all of a sudden like, yeah, he may be a dick, but like he truly loves his daughter and he thinks he's doing what's best for her even though he's really not. Um, and so I like that whole switch where he's like, yep, you got a murder on your hands. That's cool. Like, we're going to clean this up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it was just a fun twist for that character. But. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you guys did take some of mine, but not all of them. So I also, <laughs> I, I freaking loved the ball pit because I remember as a kid running into the ball pit and always being worried that like something was going to grab my leg and pull me down underneath. Mm-hmm. Right. Like horrifying. Yeah. I think but everybody I loved that it here. so much. Oh my goodness. Um, I I just at first I didn't realize that it was his stomach growling. Like I just thought that it was some kind of like rambling, roaring in the background. And then once I had the realization that it was like from hunger for kids, I was like, oh gosh, that's so creepy. I mean, I just I really, really liked that. Um I loved the work crew, just like when they first walk in and they're like, who are you? And he's like, I'm, I'm the guy. And they're like, what's with the suit? You know, like that whole, it was, it was, (laughs) (laughs) it was some comedic relief, which went terribly wrong. Like I can't imagine slicing your wrist open and then wrapping toilet paper around it and it being okay, but whatever. Right, right. I thought that the fact that the dog ate the nose and became demonic was so fascinating. Like, it was super creepy, obviously. And I was like, oh, I don't even remember the dog's name, but Bubbles is not doing well. You've got to you got to put Bubbles down. Bubbles needs to go. Uh, I I thought that was all done really well. And then um, when he uh figures out his plan on the with the buzz saws to try and like decapitate himself when he's you know oh my gosh i thought that was so creative and so interesting and obviously it didn't work but i just thought that was super uh creative and well done um and then last but not least the i don't know if you guys have already discussed this but the fact that the movie poster itself was was not allowed like it they banned it in italy is so it it just goes to show how creepy this movie is so um and then i was just gonna say worst was also kind of with stacy the whole cutting of the wrist the skin being taken all of the but gory that wasn't, stuff you guys did not like that no. it just bothered like, oh yeah it was, horrifying it was just to you. yeah were there yeah. parts of the movie that you actually didn't like no there was one for me and it's getting nitpicky are we going on to worse now? Yeah. I I was a little confused why she just left the crazy, I'm thinking maybe Russian, it was hard to say, say uh, guy at the ball pit. Like he was here, he was back again, they're helping, they've like teamed up and he, again, claiming there's a way to save her husband. Um, but she just kind of like slowly slinks out that door like, you're definitely taking the rap for this. <laughs> you are their crazy person in the ball pit. You didn't think and that just, that was exactly why she needed to go kidnap the 
girl and needed the police not to be messing with her. Do you think it was that premeditated in that quick second, or do you think she was just like, "I got to get out of here"? Well, and yeah, I'm not fine. Be able Whatever. To bring you with me. Yeah, that's fine. I, I mean, like I said, it was nitpicky. That was like oh, okay. really my only beef with the film. Don't don't break it down, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my I, if again, if I had one, it would just be that it's difficult for me to imagine that once the word demon is invoked, someone's not going to think to call a priest, or a, at least that the Russian guy wasn't like. Yeah, we tried that. It didn't help, or something. So that was refreshing you know. for you, huh? That wasn't refreshing for you. Well, okay. So one of the things we talked about with Laura was how believable the movie was, and how like this is how people act. Again, it's just hard for me to imagine that when someone says the word demon, you don't at least go try to talk to a priest, like, and maybe maybe that's just because I'm in so deep, but. Yeah. Well, I guess to me the reason I found it believable, and I guess from the outside a different perspective than your own was just the fact that she had immediately found this person and she knew he had already gotten out of the suit. So to, in like her eyes, she had a source of information that was maybe not necessarily trustworthy, but at least tried and true. Yeah. And I, all it would have taken for me was like one line of dialogue from the old man where he's like, we tried burning it. We tried this, we tried that. Um, he's like, we, you know, a, we a priest messed with it like some you know just add in a line because they so, do have that you know quick little part where he's like you don't think we tried to destroy it and exactly you're right. and I, just I, I just want to know that because this thing is supernatural you at least thought about appealing to someone who trades in the supernatural you know sure. um yeah. and again like I said, it's pretty nitpicky also. It didn't ruin the movie for me. I'm just saying, if Amanda got taken over by a demon clown, I can make some holy water and throw it on her. Uh, <laughs> That's accurate. Would you put it in like a little squirt gun or something like that? Or like I would probably have a super soaker of it and then some water balloons of it and then just in a big pot, ready to go. So, yeah, what about Stacey or Amanda? Did you guys have a worst? Um... I mean, really, I didn't have a worst. I guess the the bathroom scene is probably only my worst just because it. I was so uncomfortable. Like, you could see it coming, but I still was uncomfortable. I did not enjoy that scene at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, there were a couple of other things that I just, I they weren't my best, but I really liked them. I laughed and, like, wanted to cry when he was in the doctor's office at the very beginning. And he goes, I'm not a clown. <laughs> because there was such, like, a nice double meaning to that. And it was so sad, you know, because the doctor's, like, thinking he's being goofy. And he's like, I'm, he meant, you know, I'm not, I'm being serious right now. I'm not clowning around. But I'm also, you know, it was just, it was great. It was, it was, it was a wonderfully delivered, like, perfect piece of dialogue. Um, I thought that removing the nose early on was smart because it did make him look sillier, mm. you know? And so so they made they made the scene of him taking it off horrifying. It let the dog eat it. It, it made his face more gruesome because now there's yeah. this big wound. Uh, and it again, when he was wearing the nose, it just it looked a little silly, you know, yeah. as it's as it's meant to like it's silly in a good way. Silly like a clown. So I, I thought I thought all of that was was really really just some nice touches of of yeah. good writing and acting early in the film. The entire process of him being taken over, like the stages of development of that clown or the the suit, the skin suit, whatever you want to call it, you know, <laughs> possessing him and like transforming him was so well done. I mean, it was not an immediate process, and you could see him trying to fight it, trying to pull the nose off, the hair. 
going from being a wig that he couldn't pull off to his wife being like, what did you do? Like, this is your hair. Evolution was good. The hair. Why did he shave it off? Take some clippers to that. Get rid of it. Why do you have to pull it off? Once he realized it was his hair, just shave, shave it off. It's gone. I think at that point in time, he had some bigger issues on his hand. I I still would have shaved it. It's one less thing I had to worry about. It's gone. Maybe those were plugs. Maybe he put a lot of money into that hair. (laughs) He had just done the Rogaine process. He was like, I don't know. This could not have come at the worst time. Just fix that bald spot. That's super funny. Well, we are about out of time for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed our interviews with uh, Laura Allen and Andy Powers. Uh, we hope you're excited about this movie. Obviously, we loved it. We'd love to hear what you think of it uh, when it hits video on demand. And if you're lucky enough to live in a city that's going to get it in limited release, what it, what it, it, how it played on the big screen, uh, you can find us at don'tsplitup.com at facebook.com slash don'tsplitup. Please reach out to our guests. Let them know you enjoyed hearing them on the episode and what you thought of their performances in the film. Uh, our next episode, we are going to return to our Alien Spring with Killer Clowns in Outer Space. So uh, don't forget to watch for that. And uh, make sure you get that movie and watch it so you can uh, join in the discussion with us. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching and sharing with us. And until next time, whatever you do, don't split up. Or try on scary clown, clown suits. Yeah. I was waiting for it. I was that waiting for may it. stay on yeah, your body forever. Away now.